Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunday service here at Ananda Village. It's a beautiful spring day. I'll read from our reading for the week from Rays of the One Light. These are parallel passages from the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deep, deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ emphasized repeatedly the spirit, not the letter of the law. In chapter 5 of the Gospel of St. Matthew, he speaks of the sin of killing and of the legal punishment attendant on that sin but says that more important than the act itself is the desire to kill or to do harm. He shows that the sin of harmful desire goes beyond merely wanting to kill. My message to you, he said, is this. Whoever is angry with his brother without cause already stands condemned. Whoever contemptuously calls his brother a fool shall stand for it to the Supreme Council, and whoever calls his brother an outcast of God shall be in danger of hellfire. Brother here means any human being. For all of us, in the highest sense, are brothers and sisters, children of our one Father, Mother, God. The true self of one is the self of all. To hurt another is, even if one doesn't realize it, to hurt oneself. Swami Kriyananda in the path recalls an episode in which the master, Paramahansa Yogananda, revealed his sense of identity even with the plants. One day, Kriyananda wrote, we were moving a delicate but rather heavy tropical plant into position on the hillside. Our handling evidently was too rough, for the master cried out, Be careful what you're doing. Can't you feel? It's alive. To wish death to anyone, to wish even harm to another creature, <clears throat> is to deny in oneself the reality that divine life of which all of us are manifestations. It is, in short, to deny the eternal truth proclaimed by the Bhagavad Gita in the second chapter. This self is never born, nor does it perish. Once existing, it, can, it cannot ever cease to be. It is birthless, eternal, changeless, ever itself. It is not slain when the body is slain. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Good morning, everyone. Today, 
on so many levels is like a celebration, is a celebration. We had a beautiful celebration yesterday for the life of Anandi, and thanks to those who did such a magnificent job of organizing it. And we also celebrate, it's so wonderful to be able to gather in the temple again, and we've been through a long, (laughs) a long patch of dryness, and now we're coming out. And thanks to all of you who have just stood firm, whether we could come into the temple or not, and now we're opening up bit by bit. It's so wonderful. It's also a celebration. Uh, We have a great friend and a great guru by Nayaswami Dhyana, who is with us for two months visiting from... She's the co-director of our work in India and uh, brings great joy and light with her wherever she goes. And then today is also one more celebration because today for Jyotish and me, this is our 47th wedding anniversary. (laughs) But really it's not a personal celebration. It's a celebration of community because our life together has just always been intertwined with the community, whether here or in Assisi or in India or San Francisco, all the different places we've lived. And it's just somehow being here with all of you and listening to the wonderful chanting, this is the celebration, the celebration of community. And we were fortunate to have the experience of raising a son here and helping to with all of you as you came to help you with your spiritual growth. And it's, we're so fortunate to, just as I sat here listening to the chanting and being with all of you, and I just thought, what incredible blessing it is to be here in this environment and to be with us at a distance as well it's not about time or space. It's, it's a consciousness. And as we come together in this community, it grows deeper and more glorious and more beautiful. And it's just, it's a day of celebration. So with that in mind, I want to read a, just a glorious prayer demand from Whispers from Eternity. In the Temple of United Hearts, It befits not thy lily-tender feet to dance on the stony soil of hard hearts. On the petals of my sympathy for others, may thy tenderness dance forever. Divine Mother, may I feel thy heart throbs in my own heart, thy joy in my happiness, thy wise direction in all my activity, thy spirit in my soul. O Divine Mother, I lay all the flowers of my love at thy feet of eternity. O open wide the flowers of my budding devotion and release thy fragrance that it may spread from my soul to the souls of others ever whispering of thee. I I pray to behold my love 
reflected in others. In the light of that greater love, may I behold thine unveiled face of perfect compassion. May I behold my true self in others, that I perceive thee ever enthroned in our united hearts. At the heart of my whispered prayers, I feel stirring thy silent whispers. In the light of my burning candle of devotion, I behold at last thy sacred blaze of perfect love. O Divine Mother, unite our hearts as one heart, so that on the sacred altar of united hearts, we may find thine omnipresence enthroned forever. a hard act to follow. <laughs> well, this reading, that this theme for today, deeds versus intentions, is actually one of the more important topics for us as devotees and for the world today. In Swami gives a beautiful explanation in his Raja Yoga course about moral guidelines. Here Christ is saying, thou shalt not kill in Patanjali's Niyama's non-injury. It's the same concept. But Swami takes it on such a deep level. He says, first of all, People, there's two ways we can think about moral injunctions. One, they are commandments from God, and if we didn't have them, we wouldn't know what to do, and that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is more the social scientists. I, was, I studied, my field of study was social anthropology, and we were always looking at, well, how does this society define itself, and how does that society define itself according to their own needs? And it wasn't until I began, I finished that phase of my life, and I came to Anand, and I realized that was all baloney. <laughs> and it's not relative. We don't just make it up. But it isn't like a commandment from on high. The moral guidelines we're given are a reflection of who we are, our own highest self. And if we align ourselves with them, then we align ourselves with not only our own highest self, but with the very fabric of God's consciousness, the fabric of creation, because nonviolence, Patanjali gives us nonviolence, non-lying, non-sensuality, non-greed, non-stealing. These aren't just laws, but they're reflections. It's a mirror held up to us to say, this is who you are. And if you live in accordance with that, you're in alignment with your own highest self. And if you don't, you're not a sinner, but you forget. And in that forgetfulness, you suffer. Because the more we move away from who we really are, the more our souls are uncomfortable. And to the degree we defy these laws, to that degree we suffer. There's a beautiful quote from that Christian saint, a French uh, saint, uh, Jean Vianney, who said, Lord, thou hast made us for thyself alone, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. 
And until we align ourselves with the truth of the universe, we're restless, we're uncomfortable. And then we get into trouble because we think, maybe it's power, maybe it's wealth, maybe it's sensuality. And we go, we've all been there and we tried it, been there, done that. And we just said, that did not make me happy. What will make me happy? And that's to look in the flawless mirror of a divinely awakened soul of the guru and say, that's who I am. That's who I'm aspiring to be. The rest was just, I was confused. I, w I didn't understand. And so when, and as devotees, as people who meditate and try to live higher teachings and try to practice all the aspects of our path, we need to understand that the goal of all of it, every kriya we do, every session we meditate, every yoga posture, every energization, the goal of it all is to feel our oneness with everything, to rest on the temple of united hearts. That's all it's about. All of the spiritual efforts and um, one, one of the things about living in a spiritual community for years, Swami described Ananda as a living laboratory. And you see all the different aspects of that people approach the spiritual path and what works and what doesn't work. There was one man here in the early days who was, he meditated to beat the band hours and hours every day, but he was so proud of himself and so arrogant and thought he was better than everybody else that he left because he wasn't in tune with the feeling, I'm a part of everything. And there was another woman who was able to meditate, but she told me, she's still here, I won't say her name, but in the early days, she said, I know that everybody has, not everyone has an easy time meditating. She said, for me, it's always come a little bit easier. So when I meditate, I meditate for everybody. I thought, there's the right attitude. And here she still is, all these years later, still probably meditating for everyone. And so we need to understand that the goal of all of it is that oneness with all of life. And the topic deeds versus intentions, you know, we all live a relatively peaceful life here. I doubt, I mean, there's never been a fight here or physical altercation. There's, you know, that kind of stuff that we see in the world, but violence and aggression. But it's subtler than that, just like, in, we read an autobiography where uh, Master was sitting in Sri Yukteswar's ashram and a mosquito landed on his arm and he was just about to swat it and then he remembered, ah, not injury, nonviolence. And Sri Yukteswar said, go ahead and finish the deed. And he said, but Master, don't you teach us nonviolence? And he said, you've already swatted it in your mind. Go ahead and finish it. And not that that's such an important thing, whether we kill a mosquito or not. But what's important is to introspect and feel, where are my thoughts negative towards other people? Where am I judging them? Where am I critical of them? Where am I mentally uh, diminishing them on any level? 
because to the extent we do that, and this is the point about yoga is help us, helping us to feel oneness with everything, to the extent we do that, we're separating ourselves from the bigger picture. That's me. That's me there. I remember once there was someone in the community who had made a big mistake, and I was thinking about this person, and I was judging him. And then I thought, you know what? The only reason you can stand back and judge is because you made that mistake already, and you learned from it. So what, what pedestal do you have to stand on? And not that I re did that exact thing, but if you're free of anything in this life, it's because you did it and you learned from it, and there's no ground to stand on to judge anybody else. And that's, it's such a freeing thought. And Swami says, and it's so beautiful and useful, when you sit to you meditate, think of anyone with whom you have a not entirely integrated relationship, perhaps negativity, whatever it might be, or you hold a grudge against them. He said, before you sit to meditate, and this is so important and, and helpful, he said, before you, before you meditate, pray for that person. Send them love, because holding on to negative thoughts for others creates tension in your subtle spine, in your consciousness, and you will not be able to meditate deeply. Try it. It's very, very interesting. It's a very interesting experiment to just say, I release that. And you settle back into yourself. You settle back, and then you're able to meditate better. And the more you meditate, and the deeper you meditate, the more you feel your oneness with everyone. So it's a beautiful cycle. You let go, you go deeper. You go deeper, you feel your oneness. You feel your oneness, you're incapable of judging anybody, because that's my brother, though, or sister, though unclear in the moment. But, and Swami Kriyananda was such a marvelous example of this. His, his love, his acceptance for everyone, you could feel, even those who had hurt him deeply in this life, and there were those, he didn't hold a grudge. He just, he wished them nothing but good. We saw this on a very deep level. And it's also interesting, I re, I've shared this story before, but Swami's love was such a teaching. It, it was so, he learned so much for how he loved and the way he loved. I remember once he was living in Assisi at the time and we hadn't seen him for a while. And I was really missing him on a personal level. And so it, we went over, we were invited over to give some programs there. And I just, I wanted a personal acknowledgement. And Swami was busy. He was writing and he was giving programs. And he didn't have time to, to give personal energy to people. But I was carrying a little bit of hurt in my heart. And he came up to me reading my thoughts and he said, Davy, no one is special to me. I'm not even special to myself. And it took me a long time to realize what he was talking about, to understand it on a deep level. Because what he was saying was, 
if you expect of me to come from a personal place within myself to a personal place in you, I can't do it because it emphasizes my own individuality and your own individuality, and that's not good for either one of us. If you can just accept and that my love flows out to all of you unconditionally, then I can rest at peace because I don't feel that demand from you. And it's, it was a wonderful teaching example, and it freed me. It freed me on a lot of levels. It wasn't easy. I was hurt at first, but then I thought, wow, this is so much better and deeper than what I was looking for. And so this understanding coming from the point that if we live in accordance with the teachings, then we realize our oneness with everything. And the more we go deeply in that, the Swami used the example in the passage that Tatish read of Master being so sensitive to the plant and saying, be careful. Well, I see my dear brother Charles is here, who is just so aware of the life force in plants and how to work with them. I had a very interesting and instructive experience some years ago because I love plants too, and I'm sensitive to them, and I, I feel their energy to, in some, to some extent, as does my sister Savitri. And at the time, I, we had a, a ficus plant. That's the little ficus tree, ficus benjamina. <laughs> and we had it in our home. And they're very sensitive to heat change, heat and cold temperature. And it was big. It was about as big as I was. But then it got cold. And it was in a part of the house that wasn't well heated. And it started dropping all of its leaves. And it looked very not happy. And I thought, oh, I'm going to go pray for the ficus, give it energy. So I went. I brought my hands. And I stood by. And I just was sending energy to the ficus. And at a certain point, the energy reversed. And the ficus started sending energy to me. And I, I honestly, I almost fell over backwards. It was so powerful. And it was this little withered tree. And yet, it could feel. Because I could feel its life force. It could feel. And then it was, say, and it was saying, don't worry. I, my life is not long. But I feel and I appreciate what you've given me, and I give it back to you. And if we can, I mean, that was a little plant, a house plant. Think if we do that with each other. If, we, if you see someone weak and, and needing, and I don't mean weak, frail, sick, of course that's one reality, but I mean struggling spiritually, making mistakes, not clear, whatever it might be. By sending them love, you strengthen yourself because they are yourself. And I see my brother Barat here. His whole adult life has been sharing nature, feeling the life force, feeling your oneness with that life force, and giving people that experience. It's profoundly important spiritually. And here we have this beautiful community filled with the vibrancy, yes, of beautiful plants and nature, but more than that, of the consciousness 
awareness of the consciousness in all of life. And that's what makes it beautiful. And when people come here, that they may not realize it, but that's what they feel. They feel their oneness, the joy that they see around them. They feel it within themselves. Once, some years ago, there was a woman visitor at the Expanding Light, and uh, first time visitor. And Swami Kriyananda happened to be here and was giving the, the talk and Sunday service. And afterwards, she went up to him and she said, Swamiji, I feel so happy here. What is it? Is it the, the people, the natural environment, the food, the water? The, what is it? And Swami just said so sweetly, you're feeling the joy of your own self. And that's all we ever can feel. But we cut ourselves off from it by not accepting the world the way it is and saying, no, this has to be different and he has to be different and she has to be different. No, 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 no. They are exactly as they should be. And we are, it, it's our gift to be able to feel our oneness and our love with them in all circumstances. And then we look at the world around us today. People aren't doing that, are they? There's so much suffering and hatred and pain. But what we have been given through our teachings, and Ananda is a global movement, will be going, God willing, this August to Italy and then on to India for several months. And you can fit everywhere you go, whatever language is being spoken. I remember once Jyotish and I went to Russia some few years ago, and we were having a satsang with the devotees, and they were singing the chants in Russian. And they, and they said, you can't understand them, we know, but you can feel our love. And that we did feel. And uh, most of you know we had a Zoom call recently with Ananda devotees from Russia and Ukraine, and everyone was weeping. You know, it was... The people, they suffer because they're just the same as us, wherever they live, whatever language they speak. And so what can we do with this understanding? Well, Master had that beautiful phrase, change yourself and you have done your part in changing the world. And so if we can look at everyone involved in this drama, that we, global drama, and look at all the differing opinions, you know, I mean, coming out of the pandemic, vax or not vax, mask or not mask, you know, whatever. And, you know, the situation within the, uh, the war that's going on. If we can look at it all and say, we're all the same. We're all part of God's love. And I will do my part. I will... In meditation and prayer, I will release any negativity that I hold. And in doing that, please understand, that's not just for yourself. That act of release is a power that is amplified way beyond our own personal life. Just as when we do Kriya Yoga, the raising energy, it's not just about us. 
because that energy is universal. Compassion and forgiveness are universal. And to the extent we express it and we lift our own energy up, that's a universal force that reaches people wherever they are, whatever darkness they reside in. We had the great blessing some years ago. There was a, a, a man who Swami said was a saint. His name was Richard Vermbrandt. He was... Um, he lived in Romania, and he was a Christian minister, and he was imprisoned when the communists took over, and he was, he was a very popular and charismatic figure. So they imprisoned him for, I'm not sure how many years, but it was 10 years at least, in solitary confinement, in a dark dungeon, and also we heard him speak. He was speaking at a local church. He was finally released out of public outcry. And he and his wife, who also had been in prison separately, they just traveled all over the world talking about Christ and the love of Christ. He was one of the most radiant human beings I have ever seen. He'd been tortured. He didn't have any teeth. He had just silver teeth. His back had been broken many times. He was a little bit hunched over. But he was... He was filled with light. And he said, you know, he, he said, even in that darkness, in that silence, he said, there is the most beautiful light, there is the most beautiful sound. He was filled with Om and with God's light. And he said, and you can, he said, my wife also experienced that. She was sitting in the back of the room. He said, she's the beautiful woman in the back. And there was this little old lady sitting there, but she, he knew who she was immediately. She was just radiant. And even whatever they did to him, all he felt was love and compassion. And when he was released, he just talked about his love for Christ and traveled all over the world. He subsequently passed away. But his life had more impact on the world then all the military leaders with all their might, they will be, you know, forgotten. And they'll find their way back to God's light in their, in their good time. But what we do to remember the divine in each other and to release any shreds of negativity or judgment, this is the most powerful force in the world. And to the extent we do it with concentration and focus and dedication, it becomes even more powerful. So my dear brothers and sisters, it's such a joy to live in this community, to be a part of Ananda Worldwide. Let us do our part in changing ourselves. And in God's good time, his love and his light will be the most powerful force we see everywhere. God bless you. I've lived in many countries and mixed with many men. I've shared the days of sunshine, gone with them in the rain. The fires at evening said we were brothers. 
the fires at evening said we were brothers. A soldier I saw weeping beside a dying friend. My officers had said I must hate him till the end. But seeing his grief I knew we were brothers. But seeing his grief I knew In God's world made us brothers Our gladness in God's world made us brothers The words and customs vary like waves upon the sea One life beneath the surface binds everyone to me Who knows the truth knows all men as brothers the truth knows all men as brothers. Then brothers, why endeavor to set ourselves apart? The fences we've been building squeeze tight upon our hearts. Come sing the truth that all men are brothers. Come sing the truth that all